He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP, 11 o'clock hour. And that means it's time for our Scheib Sports, this moment in Philadelphia sports history. And, Ray, this is an interesting one because you you lived through this. This is when I'm a kid living up in Buffalo, New York, not really understanding the magnitude uh, magnitude of this. I remember probably reading about it in the paper when two big-time pitchers get traded for each other but not knowing what it meant. By the way, best caller of the day wins a $50 gift card to Shibe Sports where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them in Center City or at ShibeSports.com. Best call. Well, I said that. Best caller gets that. Um, okay, Ray. 50, it was 50 years ago yesterday. We don't usually dig this far back into the archives, um, but this is one that is of such magnitude that I wanted to do it. It was a trade that I would tell you is the greatest trade in the history of Philadelphia. We'll uh, review that in a moment. The Phillies trade Rick Wise, pretty damn good pitcher, for Steve Carlton. I'm going to have you break it down, but before that, let us go back years later the 1980 World Series, lefty on the mound. Looking at Steve, of course, 24-9 on the year, probably the Cy Young Award winner in the National League this year. They are really up. Struck him out ten times out on strikes, Willie Wilson. Struck him out. Bouncing ball, trio to his right, has it in time. So it's three up, three down for the Kansas City Royals, bottom of the first. God, Ray, you were probably uh, – you were there, right? You had to be there. Sure was. There you were. Um, so when – so February 25th, 1972, two star pitchers get traded for each other as the Phillies send Rick Wise to the St. Louis Cardinals for Steve Carlton. Both of those guys were in contract disputes with their team. By the way, both of those guys were asking for a raise to $65,000. <laughs> You know, that's an inning. Um, and I was, I again, I didn't grow up here. I didn't know. The reaction at that time was not all that positive, eh? Uh, it was no, it was, it was largely negative. Um, of course, we didn't have we didn't have sports talk radio then, so we didn't have um, a lot of what we had have today, which is people just calling up and screaming and hollering and that kind of stuff. You had, you basically had the man on the street, people on the subway talking. And you had your newspaper writers, and, and you had your columnists weighing in on what they thought of the trade, like it or not like it. And it was largely unpopular. It was largely unpopular because Rick Wise, Rick Wise was a very popular guy in town. Uh, he had been part of the 64 Phillies. Uh, he was a teenager on that team, uh, 18 years old on that team. Wow. Uh, and then stayed with the team. And so was one of the he may have been the last he may have been the last surviving member of the 64 Phillies by, by that point, 71, 72. I think he probably was actually, but uh, it was coming off a really good year. I mean, he had won 17 games, which is a lot uh, for a bad team. Uh, had a 2.88 ERA, which was really good. Uh, and of course, he had that really truly historic game in Cincinnati, where he pitched a no hitter and hit two home runs. Uh, that all had happened the previous year. So I mean, he was on a team that wasn't particularly great. Um, he was the one guy you kind of had to root for at that time. And so people really liked him. And when the news came, and it was a bit of a surprise, everybody knew there was a contractual issue, but everybody kind of thought, oh, they'll work this out. So when the news came that John Quinn, the general manager, had traded Rick Wise to St. Louis for Steve Carlton, yeah, people didn't like it. They really didn't like it. 
And this was despite Carl had won 20 games his final season in St. Louis, so he wasn't exactly an unknown. You you were trading a star for a star, right? Right. Um, and, and that's fine. It's just that Philly had a loyalty and knew this guy. And, and back then, you didn't get to see guys in other cities. You didn't know what they were. You didn't know how good Carlton could be, I imagine. By the way, Rick Wise went on to win 113 more games yes. in his in his career. Well, he won pitched, a game in the pitched, 1975 World Series. Right. He pitched he pitched well in St. Louis and he pitched even better in Boston. Right. He was he was certainly no chump whatsoever. On the other hand, the Phillies got a guy who you could argue is the best left-handed pitcher in baseball, and the year he came over, I'm guessing that people who didn't like the trade initially kind of liked it when he won 27 games for the last place team. Yeah, they did. Didn't take long? No, no. It was um, – um, once the season started, Carlton was just magical. You know, on, on a team that was abominably, abominably bad, uh, I mean, he was great. Uh, he was uh, it was absolutely great. I mean, we, we throw the word great around far too easily these days. But he was – that season, 72, he was great. I mean, capital G, great. Uh, one of the greatest seasons any pitcher has ever had in, in the history of baseball. Yeah, yeah, I mean, won 27 games for a last-place team. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I mean, the stats are just staggering. I mean, 198 had, ERA, 310 innings, 31 complete games, or 30 complete 30 games. 30 complete yeah. games and 41 stars. Started yeah. 41 games and completed 30 of them. I yeah. mean, think of that. And and they used to say, I guess it was uh, Larry Bow who said when he pitches, it is win day. Win day. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that. And watching him pitch, it was just the team. The funny thing was, it was it was just so odd because every other day when that when they played, if it wasn't Carlton pitching, they were like the worst team in baseball. They were they were awful. They were unwatchable. But if if you said, "Oh, who's is Carlton pitching tonight?" I'm watching because he was that good. I mean, he was he was that good. I mean, he totally commanded everything that happened. And it didn't matter who he was playing. It didn't matter if it was a good team or a bad team. It it was just it was Carlton. It, Carlton had the ball. We we're going to win. There wasn't any question about that. And I, I remember Rich Ashburn had one of the great comments that I've, you know, and Whitey was, was great all the time. But he, he had a, I remember listening one night, and he made the, the observation that I thought, wow, that's really, that is so well said. Whitey said, Steve Carlton doesn't pitch games. He paints them. He said, and every, mm. pitch is, every pitch is a stroke, a different stroke, and every stroke is a masterpiece. That's nice. That's nice. I thought that was. I thought, what a great description. Because watching Carlton pitch for 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 really the whole of his career. I mean, he yeah. was he was that good. But that particular year, seventy two. My goodness, I never. I we had in Philadelphia, we had never seen anything like that. So when the late great Big Daddy Graham and I wrote our rewrote our book, the Great Book of Philadelphia Sports Lists, uh, a couple of years ago, we did the top ten trades in Philadelphia sports history, and it's particularly germane today because we hope that the trade that the Sixers made now may eventually get added to this list. But let me give you some of the ones I had on here. I want to do it quickly because I know a lot of people are on hold. But just give me your uh, your snapshot of it when I give it to you, okay? Okay. That we had is number one. Number two, we had the Flyers get Bernie Perrant from the Maple Leafs for Doug Favelle and a future first-round pick. Yeah, obviously that, got, that brought your two cups. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and Bernie had been here. He was an original Flyer, got traded away. And then this was the trade that brought him back. And, yeah, that was the key to winning the two Stanley Cups. Number three, we have that the Sixers send out Caldwell Jones and a first-round pick in 1982 and get Moses Malone. Last piece. You know, yeah. that was, I mean, they had put together that team in the late 70s that had a lot of really good players, really good players, Doc, Doug Collins, all those guys. But they needed that big man in the middle. And uh, Caldwell Jones was a very good player. 
but Moses Malone was Moses Malone, and he came in and made the Sixers a championship team. Yeah, um, right, and that's the last championship that this franchise won. Uh, number four, the Flyers send Larry Wright, Al McAdam, and Ron Chipperfield for Reggie Leach, who uh, you know would come here and score sixty goals. Yeah, yeah, and there was uh, and reuniting, reuniting Reggie Leach with his uh, former uh, junior teammate Bobby Clark. They yep. had played together in Flin Flon, and uh, you know Reggie had had uh, you know was everybody knew he was a talented guy, but he had really underachieved and had problems off the ice and was considered a bad actor and. Bobby Clark told the Flyers, if you can get Reggie, get him. And, you know, I can work with him. We'll play together, and we can win together. And they brought Reggie Leach in, and, and man, <laughs> uh, that, was, that was really something. I still remember that playoff, that, that postseason playoff, when Sixer, the Flyers didn't win the series, but they didn't win the playoffs. But he was the MVP because he was just so dumb. 19 Had goals in the 19 postseason. 19 goals that year. All right. Uh, real quickly, number five, uh, the Sixers send a Clippers world. Well, he was Lloyd Free at the time. And get a future first-round pick, which didn't pay off for six years, but when it paid off, it was Charles Barkley. Right. Uh, number six, the Phillies send Travis Darno, Kyle Drabeck, and Michael Taylor to the Blue Jays for Roy Halladay. Yeah, pretty good. That was pretty good. Although that one was weird because they traded Cliff Lee that same day, which made everybody upset. And remember, there was the oh, we can't trade Kyle Drabeck. Oh my God. Yeah, he's yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. He's the best pitcher on our farm system. That that'll just show you that 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 idea of quote unquote prospects. Sometimes they'd never pan out. Uh, and I'll just do one more uh, because this was your pal, tight, uh, tight end Charlie Young. Charles Young gets traded to the Rams for Ron Jaworski. Yeah, and that was, that was almost like a wise Carlton trade because it was two guys that were in the middle of a contract dispute. And so the, the Rams and the Eagles just said, look, I'll take your problem, you take mine. And uh, Charlie Young went out to the Rams, didn't play much with the Rams, but then went to the 49ers and won a Super Bowl. And, of course, Ron Jaworski came here and led the Eagles to their first Super Bowl. I would throw one more in there. And that was the trade that the Flyers made when they traded Mike uh, Mike Walton and a draft pick to the Boston Bruins for the rights to Ricky McLeish. Shaky Walton. Yep. Mike well, Shaky we also, Walton. I mean, we we did a ten deep, and we had the the trade that brought Leclerc and Desjardins here for the Flyers. That was right. a pretty darn good one. Right. Uh, okay, and we hope when I rewrite, well, I can't rewrite this book because I've lost Big Daddy, but uh, maybe I'll just do an addendum at some point and add the James Harden trade for uh, Ben Simmons. No, I think it, I think it belongs on there. Oh yeah. Uh, Mike and Yardley wants to talk about uh, Harden's role on uh, impact on some of the role players. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, how are you guys doing today? It's a brilliant, wonderful blue day, but last night was really something else. It's so good to see basketball played well and to see the Sixers doing that. It's, it was really inspiring. And that's why I wanted to what I wanted to talk about, because, Glenn, you mentioned how much Harden – seemed to uh, help the productivity of the role players. But I also felt that he really, you know, his presence seemed to inspire them to, to play even better than just their ordinary output. The impact, I think, is really hard to measure. I can't wait to see more games. And it's, uh, it's just yeah, really listen, last night they were on a high, right? Oh, Let, you got it. <laughs> last night they were on a high, and, and, and I don't think every game is, they're going to they're gonna quite have that energy, but I there's no reason to believe that this team has not improved a couple of notches and is a, is a real contender, not just a team that's going to make it yeah. to the second round, maybe make the third. This is a team that's a real contender. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, guys like Corkmoss and uh, 
what's his name? Niang. They're hitting threes. Let's. Uh, I'd, I'd slow my roll on. That. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> they, uh, no, I think I, Mike. I think I think the point that Mike's making here uh, is that these guys saw very quickly that if they work to get open, um, Harden is going to get them the ball and they'll have a chance to score. Yeah, okay. you know, yeah, guys. Go, you guys, there. you know, if you're on the floor with Harden, you don't stand around. If yep. you're on the floor with him, you're working to get open. You're working to get a shot because if you get the shot, he sees the floor well enough that he's going to get you the ball and give you better opportunities. I think it lifts. It's not just a matter of oh, we're on the floor with a terrific player, we got a chance to win. It's it's how his game can impact your game, and I think it does. I think it I think it helps everybody. I think that's a fair point. Uh, Jeff and Glenside, I think wants to actually speak to something related to that. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. It's an honor to be on this call. I look forward to my Saturday 90-minute coffee trips where I try to explain to my wife why I'm gone for a cup of coffee. But, uh, <laughs> well, thank you. Good. Hey, thank real, you. real quick, real thank quick, yeah, not a problem. Real quick, Glenn, yeah, hopefully you had this trade 43 years ago. Philly's got Manny Trio and Greg Gross for a little bit from the Cubs. So um, that was a nice trade in Philadelphia uh, sports history as well. Um, Ray, who'd they get Manny Trio and Greg Gross for? You remember, Ray? I, you know, I forget. I think it was uh, um, a cup of coffee, but I, I don't think it was uh, a lot. But uh, okay. those two were very instrumental in their World Series yeah. uh, victories. Yeah. Manny, well, Manny, Manny was MVP of the championship series. I love, God, I love Trio. I miss him. Uh, hey, real quick, last night. So I, I try not to get too, too overzealous when I see things, but what I saw last night that immediately jumped out at me, and Ray, you, you just touched on it, was the spacing. When Harden's on the floor, it just looked like everybody was wide open, um, and that that's great. And it's also going to be tough because guys are going to have to hit their shots, and guys like Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibault, those guys are going to be wide open all the time. And I was a little concerned that Tobias didn't step up last night, so I really hope that now having Harden when he's on the floor, he's going to have to hit these shots. He's really going to need to nail them. Bible's not a good shooter, but he's going to be wide open too. And these guys are just going to have to be prepared. And if they can hit their shots consistently, they're, they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough act because Harden just changes the entire dynamic mm-hmm. of the court. He just sees everybody. And he just, it's, you can't, you got to double him. And he just sees the court tremendously. And, and guys, like I said, they're going to be wide open to hit yep. shots. You know, part of this whole thing, by the way, let me give you that trade, uh, the Phillies trio trade. The Phillies, because uh, you remember these guys better than I do, the Phillies got uh, Greg Gross, Manny Trio, and Dave Rader. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Dave Rader. He was a utility guy. Caught okay. a little bit and could play a couple positions. For Derek Botello, is a pitcher? Yep. Barry Foote, the catcher. Jerry Martin, who mostly is remembered because he, he wasn't in the game. Yeah, he's basically a <laughs> defensive outfielder. And Ted Sizemore. And if my memory is correct, you may have once told me that Ted Sizemore was among the more miserable guys you ever met. Yeah, he fit right into that clubhouse. Yeah, yeah I, I, remember, right I remember you told me that. Crabby, crabby character. And Barry Foot, Barry Foot too. Barry Foot threw a chair at me once. What? That's, that's probably the most notable thing he did in his time with the Phillies. How did I not read this in your book of memoirs? Uh, that just seemed sort of pointless. I mean, who cares about Barry Foot? Well, I think we care about this. Let's see. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. That's just, it's, that's just what, that is what it is. Can you set it up a little bit? Like, what did you write? What did he say? No, I, I wrote nothing about Barry Foote. There's no reason to write anything about Barry Foote. But Barry Foote was sort of that, you know, he was sort of the bottom of the roster guy that was looking to validate himself in the clubhouse and, to, you know, to ingratiate himself with the other veteran players who hated the media 
So he, with no real reason to hate the media, but because he wanted to be in with the other guys, um, you know, was was sort of a jerk generally. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was walking through the clubhouse. It was in, it was in St. Louis, and it was after a game. And I'm just walking through the clubhouse. I had finished my business, and I was heading towards the door to head to the elevator to go upstairs. And all of a sudden, a metal folding chair slams into the wall. Right Holy cow! Right, right, right in front of me. I mean, he made sure that he wasn't going to hit me, but he threw it so that it hit the wall in front of me. Uh, and oh, so uh, he did it for sport as opposed to as in a reaction to something you had written. No, he just, no, it's he just, just it was just it yeah. Fun. I mean, here, here's here's one of these here's one of these you know writers quote unquote that were persona non grata in the clubhouse and oh he's the last one here today so you know I'm going to do this because the other guys are here and they're going to see it and they're going to think it's funny and so he threw it up against the wall and it banged into the wall right in front of me and then he, then he and then he just sort of went oh, oh I guess I didn't see you there. So yeah, that made him a big guy with his teammates for the for the bus ride at the airport. <laughs> I, can tell you, I know you did not enjoy telling that story, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I can tell you that our listeners enjoyed hearing that story. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure you know, they're going to run right out and tell their neighbor. Boy, did you hear that story about Barry Foot? <laughs> uh, well, you, you you discount right. That, that's the slice of life that people don't really get to get to get to get to hear. No, Barry, you lived all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and. I, <laughs> And, and, and are was, glad you don't have to yeah, do it I'm again. Glad I don't, I'm glad I don't have to do it ever again. But Barry Barry Foot gave new meaning to the term footnote because he was a footnote in Philly's history. Oh, Ray. I hope you got to write that at least once in your life. No, I just thought of it now. I missed my <laughs> opportunity, I'm afraid. Uh, you up to a Steve Carlton question? Oh, sure. All right. Anthony and Doylestown's got one. Anthony. Hey. There. Got it. Hey, guys. Hey. Thanks for taking my call, right? Pleasure, pleasure to talk to you. Hi, Anthony. Um, I, I, I remember vividly that 72 season. Um, I was just 15 years old. I lived in South Philly about a mile from the stadium. I was down there every night. And I just remember Carlton, what, how nasty his, fast, his curveball was. I mean, we would sneak behind the home plate where the wives would be sitting, and he would have a curveball that would start out at 12 o'clock, and by the time the opposing batter was hitting – it would be at six o'clock in McCarver's glove. Who McCarver was, I believe, his personal catcher that year. He was, and also, also, um, I believe the season was shortened by two weeks because of a strike, which he could have probably won thirty games. Correct. And he won fifteen games in a row that year. I don't know, Ray, if you can comment on that, but it was just an unbelievable year. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was really unbelievable. And and um, and each each game was a new chapter in the story. And just you know, he said, "Oh, he can't keep this up. He can't keep this up. He can't keep this up." And he did. And you know, I mean, you said fifteen wins in a row. I I didn't know that number off the top of my head, but that sounds about right. I mean, he went he went like two months without losing a game. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and 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 every game he pitched, I mean, he 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 started it and he finished it. Uh, it was it was just amazing. And you talk about his curveball. His real out pitch was the slider. I mean, he had a he had a really good fastball, and he had a curveball, but his out pitch was the slider. I mean, his slider, for the bulk of his career, but that year in particular, was absolutely unhittable for left-handed hitters. Left-handed hitters had no chance against this slider. I mean, it was it was just really an awesome thing to watch. And every time, and every time he pitched, um, you always felt when you went to the ballpark, you had a chance to see a no-hit game. That's that's one of the things that's missing in baseball now is the way baseball is played now. Starting pitchers. Heck, starting pitchers can have a no-hitter in the eighth inning, and they take him out eight? because they hit the pitch count. Yeah, but, uh, but with a guy like Carlton, if, if he's pitching, you know, if you're looking at papers, hey, Carlton's pitching tonight, I'm going. Because you know what? 
You buy a ticket. You have a. You felt you went to the ballpark. You felt you had a good chance to see a no hit game. Certainly a great game and maybe a historic game. That kind of day is gone now because those kinds of pitchers aren't around anymore. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack. Now a lot of talk today about the Sixers. A lot of excitement over James Harden's debut in the lineup yesterday as they just go into Minneapolis and crush. Um, and just look great, uh, and we want to share that excitement with you. It's been a while since we've been uh, had this much fun watching a team, so we'll talk about that. We're going to work a little football into the next segment as well. He's Ray Didinger. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP.